Five Things First Thing with JR Morning's Guy Gordon, Lloyd Jackson, and Jamie Edmonds. Good morning. Welcome to Tuesday, February 6, 2024. Should get Ford earnings at 5 p.m. today, and they may take a bigger hit than General Motors based on what the UAW did to them during the strike, and we'll uh, await that. But uh, the profit sharing numbers will be released, and either way, that's always uh, to some degree good news for us. Can I just say, may we bring whiskey for the team, beer for the horses, and raise a glass to Toby Keith? I know, no. man. That's. I was shocked when you told me this morning. That's a good shot. Yeah, six. You know, I guess I wasn't shocked because I knew he was ailing, See, and I didn't know he was ill. So that was a. It was a shock. Right. To me. I can't remember if it was the CMAs or where it was that I saw him, and he, you know, he was such a big, burly, robust guy, and he was just reed thin, and even I think you, you were saying yeah. you made a joke about his. He said you wouldn't, you, you didn't think you would ever see me in skinny jeans. <laughs> Which was, you know what was great about him? All of his songs, or many of them, had an element of humor in them. Mm-hmm. Beer for My Horses, How Do You Like Me Now, um, Red Solo Cup. There was always, they were humorous without being like a, a quirky hit, you know? I yeah. mean, they were, they were, they without were being Weird Al. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there you go. That's, a, that's it, good. It, it, yeah, it wasn't a novelty hit, right? <laughs> right. Um, have you got a favorite? I was going to pick How Do You Like Me Now. Yeah. Great, great now song. Now on your radio. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Nick. Of the Red, White, and Blue is always good. That was so, good right after 9-11. You know, he so distilled our outrage in that song, and then you, you, you know, you counter that with Alan Jackson. Where were you in the world? Stop turning. Those two songs capture the outrage and, and the, the despair, heartache. Yeah, and and um, I mean, we're just they were helpful at the time. They help us get some of that out. Um, I will tell you that if we ever karaoke together, "Who's Your Daddy" is my karaoke oh. go to. Well, now, <laughs> um, yeah, and I loved. Uh, you know, you shouldn't kiss me like this. Uh, I, I like that yeah, one too. Yeah. You know, so there's yeah. just so many. Jason, you got one in there. Not a big country fan, but the red, white, and blue, that song always fires me up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he hit the, and he, he tells, I, I saw him in 2003 when Ford had their uh, centennial. Okay. He was the lead act for the big concert, that the birthday concert that they threw. Perfect guy. I mean, for a company that is all about their trucks, n- none better than, than, than <laughs> Toby, Toby Keith. Toby Keith. Yeah. But he talked about stumbling one day. One of the biggest mistakes he said I ever made is I stumbled onto Willie Nelson's tour bus. And he says, I'm still trying to get those brain cells back. <laughs> he said, you know, he said you needed a knife to cut through the smoke. Is that where Beer for My Horses came from? It, it may, may have been. <laughs> um, but uh, no, uh, dead at 62. And then, uh, you know, a cancer These guys diagnosis. guys in their 60s are I know. passing away. We just talked about Earl Curitan. Right. So he was 66. Yes. Too Which young. is, you know, 20 years younger than the what seems to be the the average now. And then we got the diagnosis on Prince Ch- uh, King Charles yesterday. Right. And this still lingering question about, well, if it isn't prostate cancer, then what is it? It yeah. is something, thankfully, that apparently can be treated outpatient and will allow him to continue his duties. He said he's going to stay in, though, and do paperwork and things <laughs> like that and not go out. And so Prince William is going to take... Or what is he, Duke of Cambridge or something now? He's going to take on more of the duties. And it's something that, you know, when you hear, when you heard that, you said, oh, my God, because the the queen just left here. He just, just he waited his just whole life to be king. Yes. And I got this moment. I'm like, oh, really? 
Yeah. But yeah. hopefully he is okay. Prince Harry is supposed to fly to go see his dad. Hopefully that relationship is getting. And better. I heard a, you know, I heard of one of the one of the talking heads from Britain saying, "Well, he if he thinks about it, he best not bring his bride." And I thought, well, this is a time when families should all families yes. should be healing, right? Let's Come not together. get into all that. Uh, <laughs> Gail just finished a book about Camilla, and boy, did I get an earful last night about you know. She's... I have some thoughts, but we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. I'm a be... big Princess Diana person. Are you? Let's okay. let's be positive. Yep. Okay. Yep. If you can't say something nice, no, I'm right there with you. Uh, but I I hope you know if if anything good comes out of it, that this heals this rift between Harry and his. His family. Um, meantime, uh, the jury asking some interesting questions that may be um, elucidating in some ways. Yeah, deliberations began yesterday in Jennifer Crumbly's involuntary manslaughter trial after seven days of testimony. Jennifer and her husband, James, they face charges in connection with the death of the four students at Oxford High School with their son already sentenced to life in prison for the shooting. It's the first time a parent has been charged with manslaughter in such a case. After jury instructions, five alternates were chosen for sequestration. The remaining 12 jurors started deliberating, raising questions about the prosecution's theories and the acquisition of the gun used in the shooting. Among the questions raised as well was whether they could infer reasons for the shooter's absence. From the stand, as the deliberations unfold, many Oxford families were there anxiously awaiting the jury's decision. Despite hours of deliberation, no verdict was reached uh, yesterday. The jury will reconvene, Guy, this morning. Three alternate jurors were chosen to remain sequestered at home. I I heard some what I thought pretty good analysis from Sean Lay via Judge Vonda Evans, who said, when you see a jury looking for testimony that hasn't been entered into, it means that they're struggling to get from reasonable doubt to zero doubt. Mm-hmm. And you have to remind them, you can't find zero doubt. There will always be doubt. So you need to seek the reasonableness of it. And again, ask the question, what would a reasonable parent do? Mm-hmm. What was ordinary care? And I thought Todd Flood was really good on that. And you can check out that podcast at WGR.com. Um, some of the uh, leaders in Dearborn are calling on the Wall Street Journal to retract It's op-ed piece uh, that labeled the city of Dearborn the world's jihad capital. In my opinion, the headline was flat out wrong and inflammatory. Mm -hmm. But if you're waiting for a retraction, I think you're going to be waiting a long time because newspapers are not in the habit of retracting the truth. And there was very little in the body of it that wasn't factual or that was inaccurate. Nevertheless, they are outraged. We're asking that the Wall Street Journal take an immediate retraction, apologize to not only this community, but to all its readers. Inflammatory rhetoric like this is a direct contributor to the wave of Islamophobic violence our community has had to endure. No, was it inflammatory rhetoric? They're saying, look, you have people that are jihadist promoters in your community, both online and in person. And they have video and they, they have... We, I we, was thinking about this. It, yeah. uh, sorry to no, interrupt right, you, Lloyd, no, but right. I was thinking if the title was different, if the headline was I different. I was saying the same thing. Yes. You know, like <clears throat> some in Dearborn support Hamas. That would be the title of the, what they talked about in the article. But what they're saying is the concentration of them is higher there than just about anywhere else in the U.S. And what these folks are saying, and look, when we're calling for peace... That's not promoting jihad. Well, show me that line. Because when you're condoning October 7th, which is what many were saying, if you're not condemning it, you're condoning it, then 
then you may not be a jihadist, but you're a jihadi sympathizer. If you went to the protests, if you're just a yes. regular family with kids, you know, who go to Fordson High School, cool. you right. don't have anything to do with this. And Ex- I can understand why those yes. people are upset. Yeah, yeah. But um, journalists are not in the habit of, or editors are in the habit of retracting the truth. This may be, you know, Al Gore didn't give us much as vice president, but he did give us a great term for this, and it's called an inconvenient truth. Just because you don't like it doesn't make it untruthful. That's right. Um, meantime, Brad Holmes giving us hope for the future. Brad Holmes came in hot yesterday with his um, press conference, and he was calling out some people who said, oh, you didn't like that pick I made in 2021? Oh, you didn't like, you know, Panay Sewell? So that was kind of fun. He was hot. But the overarching message is, you know, this is not a one-off. What I want to tell really our fans is, look, it's only going to get better, okay? We're only going to get better, all right? I don't want anybody to think that this was a, a one-shot Cinderella magical journey that just happened. No, it's real, all right? This, was, this is exactly what it was supposed to happen. And I understand that based on history, from what's happened in the past, like I understand you have a season like this, it's easy to feel like this was kind of a, a one-shot, magical, lucky, uh, cute story, which I'm tired of hearing. Uh, it's it's it, it was it was none of that. It's it was none of that. He said it's not cute, and they're right. going to make decisions moving forward to make this a perennial winner. And also, Lions owner Sheila Hamp sent a thank you note to season ticket holders. And I think that's very nice because she doesn't usually step into the spotlight. But she is a big reason why the success that's happening. Just a couple quotes. She said, the success of this season is what that vision looked like. Now we must go about making late January football a constant in Detroit. The future for the Detroit Lions has never looked brighter. At the end, Please accept my personal thank you from myself and my family for supporting us throughout the season. And she called out people who went on the road, people who were in the Lions gear in their living rooms at schools. The and folks sh- chanting Jared's name yeah. in yes. any number of different venues. Yeah. There's a lot to look forward to here. And I just thought it was great that she said For real. Her. For real this time. There, yeah. <laughs> and every business has to show gratitude for its customers. And so often they don't. Yeah. <laughs> this is a business that's saying... We are nothing without you. And I thought that was a really mm-hmm. important message. And we're not done. That's right. Yeah. It is 616. When we come back, Tim Wahlberg on his concerns about the so-called bipartisan border deal in the Senate. Next on JR Morning.